The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the POD cast, as we so cleverly call it. We are back. Uh, two of us are back for the moment. Uh, I am filling in for the Chris Perfett, of course, the adequate host who will join us in the final segment here. But we are and I always want to thank him for putting out the uh, immediate reactions type of podcast. Not easy to do. Certainly not easy to do after this particular Sunday. And we will get all of into all of that. In the second segment, but we uh, we are going to start this thing off with some positive news, some excellent news, some mood that a move that has certainly gotten a lot of line chance, probably including myself out of a bit of a funk. But before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit online with me, as always, as one of the co-hosts of the POD cast, as one of the co-hosts of First Bite. As also one of the senior editors and. Some would say the rock god. Black is the rock god. That's Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. I don't know if I put that pause in the right place. I don't usually do this. Uh, well, I, I think that much was clear when you called me the co-host. I'm like, oh, Jeremy's just in first bite mode right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, he's entering autopilot. But you you navigated that beautifully, much better than some would say um, a, a certain adequate host leads into a read. I don't know. I'm just saying things. Yeah. Um, but I will say full disclosure and, and, a, and a quick disclaimer. Uh, yesterday, around midday, I asked Jeremy and Chris, uh, do we have to podcast like <laughs> now? Like, like, does today have to be the day? And then by some stroke of luck, 
and to Jeremy's maybe ultimate demise, <laughs> very close to his ultimate demise, uh, deplaned twice. Yeah, I kind of feel like you were like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, we have to do it on Monday. Of course, we have to do it on Monday. We need to get this out. We need to just get, get it over with. And then you're like, ah, all right, I'm going to screw with American Airlines just so Jeremy never gets home. <laughs> yeah, that dude <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> but I did get home uh, at 1030 after leaving at 545 Pacific time a.m. It's great. Great day. Exactly how I wanted to spend my day after the Lions lost the NFC championship game in uh, near record breaking fashion. But hey, I said we're starting with good news. Stop right. it. And you know someone who is staying home? Who's that? It's offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, Jeremy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. News breaks today that Ben Johnson told Washington, told Seattle, no, thank you. I'm coming back to Detroit. I'm, I'm all of the memes from that movie that that you love, Ryan, the uh, Wolf of Wall Street memes. Yes. Uh, ben Johnson's back. He's apparently not taking a raise. I, I don't know. Like there was a flurry of weird you know, tweets from agents and not 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 directly from agents from news sites. Clearly carrying some agents water that Ben Johnson was his cost was too high and he also did not take a raise and doesn't matter. Point is, Ben Johnson is returning for 2024 and that is probably the biggest. I mean. We're, we'll talk about it in the second segment and, and probably a little bit in the third there was a lot of consternation about whether the Lions could get back to the NFC championship could ever, you know, repeat this kind of performance. And I think the biggest hurdle to that was the, the, the potential loss of, of Ben Johnson, which I think a lot of Lions fans had just kind of come to terms with at this point, because it, he was such a heavy favorite for that Washington job, but much like he was the, the heavy favorite for that Panthers job, he decides, no, thank you. I'm going to come back and, and I want to, run it back with the lines. And I guess, I guess the message here is if he's not getting a raise, he's very comfortable here and he wants to win a dang Super Bowl. That, that I, I think all that information would lead you to believe that Jeremy, uh, yeah. it, it was back in, uh, man, it was, it was before Christmas. I think, was it not, uh, back in December when we got the Josina Anderson tweet about, mm -hmm. Oh, you know, Ben Johnson wants upwards of, was it $15 million a year yeah. Yeah. to be a head coach? And, and we had the agency that represented Ben Johnson coming out and saying, you know, don't believe everything you read, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, whether or not Schefter and some other people are, are carrying the water of of some other, you know, team owners and organizations. I, it feels very much like Ben Johnson was in the position to say, you can pay me a boatload of cash or I'm perfectly comfortable doing what I'm doing in Detroit, you know coordinating that offense, helping Jared Goff reach success that he has not seen in his career. Um, it, it, it seemed very much like a, you have to, you have to go over the top Yeah. because let me remind everybody, there's no salary cap when it comes to coaches, right? Owners can pay coaches, however much, however much they want. So if, if owners, especially a new one in Washington, that's a billionaire is going to cry over Ben Johnson wanting everything. And then some, it seems like he was pretty content and pretty happy in the place that he was, Jeremy. Yeah, and I don't know how much I buy all of the the money talk here because Ben Johnson like basically told him to turn that plane around. Now, obviously, they still came to to interview Aaron Glenn, but there was no sit down interview with them. Like the 
Washington did not get to plea their case other than, you know, a, a quick phone interview the, the weekend of uh, of the divisional round. So to me, this was I don't I mean, I don't know what happened between that time where he's like, yes, let's do this in-person interview and him deciding, no, thank you. Maybe maybe it was the NFC championship game. Maybe it was just like, I loved it. I love this place so much. I can't I can't have my, you know, my last play be. Well, I guess the last play was a touchdown, but like my last half being one where we score seven points. And I don't know. It, it, I Here's here's the one thing that I, I think this news means, other you know, other than like the lines are in a much better place than they probably would have been. I think it's another feather in Dan Campbell's cap. I think it's another instance showing you just how incredible the culture is here. And again, culture is something that I have I never bought into before Dan Campbell was here. But now we have players that desperately want to come back. We have coaches that are turning down clear job offers. Like I know they're ne- not there wasn't necessarily a job offer on the table, but we we went into last year knowing immediately from the beginning that the Panthers wanted the hell out of Ben Johnson. We knew immediately this year that the Washington was gunning for Ben Johnson and what happened? He decided to stay. He 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 had offers on the table and he's like, "You know what? I love where I'm at." I love the position that I'm in. I lo- I'm sure he loved the pay raise last year, but he's respected here. He's rewarded here. He knows he's in a good working environment. He knows he has an offensive line he can work with and a quarterback that he's got a really good, got really good chemistry. And he speaks as much praise about Dan Campbell as Dan Campbell does about him. And to me, that that is the start of it all. Is Dan Campbell has built a team, an identity, an offense that Ben Johnson wants to be a part of, and he's willing to put on hold perhaps his biggest career move of of his entire life on hold because he's just so happy here, and that's that's huge. It, it, and and it gets even bigger when you think about his ties to before Dan Campbell was here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that could have been the very instance and the very understanding of the, the grass. Sometimes is greener on the other side. Ben Johnson, the only guy that Dan Campbell retains from that staff of of Matt Patricia. And I think he truly values all the points that you just made, Jeremy. I think he truly values the culture that Dan Campbell's built here. And I'm pretty sure he understands that that's not everywhere, right? Yeah. Like he understands that that's he's been around. not easily duplicated. Exactly. Like he, he's been around and the fact that he wants to stay with this organization and under this regime, I think that was again for the second offseason in a row, Jeremy. It feels like the Lions offseason report card starts at an A and yeah. works its way down. Right. No question. It's 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 as good a news as you can get 48 hours after that game, right? It's it's like I said, it it feels like it turned around Lions fans' week, month, year already. And that's single handedly pulled you out of a funk. <laughs> yes. A funk caused by other things as well. But yes. Um, but let's let's talk about what it means for the team. Other than obviously, you know, you have your offensive coordinator back. Um, there's no reason now I would I would say to expect any serious regression from the offense. I mean, you're not going to lose any major parts except for maybe your guards. Um, sounds like there's mutual interest in, in Graham uh, coming back. We, we don't know about Jonah, but like every like everyone else is, is back like. The whole gang is coming back. You got a bunch of young talent still on that side of the ball in terms of your weapons. Those guys are only presumably going to get better. Um, so I, I guess what, I, like, does this now like seal in your mind? Like, 
all right, we we have nothing to worry about for for 2024. Like the the Lions are are contenders. This cements it already. I I think it it speaks a whole lot of confidence into next year and what the floor is for the offense. Yeah. Right. Like I think we have a built in expectation that the Lions' offense at this point under Ben Johnson, I don't know how it's worse than a top seven offense. I feel like that's that's baked into the Ben Johnson yeah. and Jared Goff experience. There, right. There's enough data. You know, the, the Lions are 22 and eight over their past 30 games. Uh, I mean, and, and there's enough offense yep. over that stretch to show that, hey, remember the big concern coming into this year, Jeremy? Oh, there's tape out on Ben Johnson. Sure. Yeah. And people people are going to get hip to what he's doing. Uh, they they need to get hipper than I guess. I don't know. Like the th- that that's the thing that I'm most confident in is that yes, the Lions for another year in a row will be offensively great, not good, but they will be offensively great. And it, it's all those weapons you just mentioned. It's hey, not having to deal with maybe an off season where Jamison Williams is set up to be suspended and you know suffers a soft tissue injury and in, in training camp and like. Maybe again, some things might not fall their way, but some things might fall their way. And the the one other thing I, I wanted to ask you was, yes, Ben Johnson here to stay. Uh, th- there's some other coaches that might be on their way out and might have opportunities, and yep. and, and some mentioned, and maybe some that I, I think not so mentioned. So I, I, I kind of want to talk about that once you kind of get your piece in about how you feel about. Ben Johnson coming back other than ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like ever since the lions established themselves as a good offense, people have been looking for reasons for them to regress, right? It's it's Jared Goff. Wasn't as good as he was in at the end of 2022, you know, that nine game streak where he wasn't throwing interceptions. That's going to regress. Lions are in regress. The, you know, tape's going to be out on Ben Johnson, all that sort of stuff. Turnovers. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. And, and I think now, there, there's no reason. There's no reason to believe there will be a regression. The, ben Johnson and Jared Goff are the two biggest pieces outside of maybe the offensive line. And like I said, all of those pieces are now returning. Um, ben Johnson and Jared Goff have had enough time together where there's enough to believe that they they will continue to be this way until they're 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 divorced in some sort of way. Um, and and listen, like there was there was certainly reason to believe that Jared Goff can continue to do this with someone else, but. It would go. It would fall into that category of maybe this is why the lines are going to regress in twenty twenty four. And now taking that element off is is absolutely huge. It's it's as big of a move as you can make this off season without actually making a move. It's it's yeah, like you said. I think the best way to put it is like the lines already have an A plus on the off season. It's it's that huge of a move, and it's it's amazing. It's great. And as other people have mentioned too, like there was that report. From Pelissero saying like Ben Johnson goes, he might take Hank Fraley with him. And if that was the case, like you just won twice because it, I, I watched, uh, I think it was Frank Ragnow's uh, post season press or presser media session. And someone had mentioned Hank Fraley and he's like, yeah, if they lose him, they might have to talk to me again because I want, I almost, I want it baked into my contract that, that I'm not, if, if, if Hank's not here, I'm not here. And so like, <laughs> That goes to show you how much he's beloved by the guys here. And not that we need any proof from the guys there. I, I think their play does pretty much all the talking there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it speaks for itself, right? The The name that I would be intrigued, though, what does this mean for Scotty Montgomery? 
Yeah. Not saying that he's, uh, you know, I, I'm not identifying him as somebody as somebody who can leave, but I think when you're thinking about the contingency plans for Ben Johnson, yep, because that was the thing we were all bracing ourselves for mm-hmm. is that Ben Johnson's going to take the Washington job. And like you said, maybe he takes Hank Fraley with him. Um, I don't know, maybe in some situation or scenario, he would have took Scotty Montgomery with him. And the, the Lions would have been scrambling a bit yeah. to, to, to fill multiple positions. And I think because Ben Johnson stays, yeah, Hank Fraley, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Hank wants to stay. And hopefully, as, as you said earlier, right, the, the band just wants to get back together. But there's some opportunities for some guys to to move up and move onward. Yeah, uh, we, let's talk about it. So Antoine Randall L., uh, gets interview interview for the Buccaneers offensive coordinator job. So does Tanner Angstrand, um, but he also gets an interview for the Patriots offensive coordinator job. Now, I don't think at this point any of those guys are like on the precipice of of being hired. Both those searches have been pretty extend extensive by the Patriots and the Buccaneers at this point. They're they're basically getting everybody in the door, but it it shows that like this it, it's it's a reminder that this isn't going to end with Ben Johnson. Like the Lions are going to become a tree at this point of of coveted people like very much like Sean McVay and the Rams were after their Super Bowl run where it was just like if you had touched Sean McVay if you had if he had breathed on you at any point you're going to get a head coaching interview and now it feels like that way with not I I guess I was going to say with Ben Johnson but maybe it's it's more uh honestly Dan Campbell like anybody under the Dan Campbell tree is 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 going to suddenly get a lot of interest now I I mean if the Lions lose any of these guys, is it going to be devastating? No. Is it going to hurt? Yeah, a little bit, of course. Um, do I have complete confidence that the Lions are, are, are going to find the right guy to fill their shoes? Yeah. I mean, the, I think last year is a, is a great example of where you lost a couple of big coaches in Todd Wash and Deuce Staley, and you filled them with guys that that I think you can be pretty happy about so far. And so, you know, again, I, I don't know how serious these, these jobbing interviews are, and, and I don't know how likely these guys go away. But again, like, like you said, Tanner Angstrom was another one of those guys that was like, maybe he's the guy that that fills in for Ben Johnson. And so losing a contingency plan down the, the road is 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 meaningful. It's impactful. But all things considered, I, I <laughs> considering where where my mindset was, you know, 24, 48 hours ago with with Ben Johnson, you know, already out the door in my mind, uh, I, I can handle that. Yeah, no, it, it's fine. I, I like this consolation price. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's better than, than most store prizes, but the name that I think a lot of Lions fans wouldn't be sad to see go, which would be upsetting is that, I mean, Aaron Glenn can still get a job Yeah, and, and for as awesome a job as Ben Johnson has done with the offense, I keep preaching to everybody that this defense, and it, it goes back to what Brad and Dan were talking about during draft season last year. Like this defense just doesn't have enough horses on it. Yeah. And it feels like there needs to be another off season's worth of attention towards the defense. And I'm not asking them to be tunnel vision. I'm not asking them to be the Carolina Panthers the first year that Matt Rule is there and every single draft pick was defense. I'm not asking them to do that. But I think that Aaron Glenn is getting this interest from other teams because he like he's built to be a head coach. Yeah. And I think his presence, Jeremy, is understated. Yeah, I, I think everything about ben, or Aaron Glenn is is understated. 
uh, his leadership, I think his defensive play calling, his his ability to coach, his ability to lead, his ability to teach. Um, there's a reason why he's had this interest now for three years running, right? And and when it comes to the Lions defense, I know a lot of people were fed up with how he coached this year. I know some people were frustrated, particularly with how they defended the pass. But I think it's also important to remember this team finished first in defensive run DVOA. Like that, that doesn't happen by accident. And it's they not can. like the Lions have a dominant front seven, right? It's not like they have these guys that are, uh, uh, you know, defensive tackles that are just pro bowlers, all pros. And like, no, he's got Aiden Hutchinson, a bunch of good, I would say, linebackers, not great linebackers, and a bunch of defensive tackles that, frankly, the Lions just shuffled through all year, right? Like they tossed Isaiah Bugs to the side and nothing changed because coaching because of scheme because that's exactly who they wanted to be on defense they wanted to be a team that's that can stop the run and for 99 percent of the season they did um and 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 with the past stuff like that's where their roster was the weakest right they didn't have any outside corners they didn't have a pass rusher outside of Aiden Hutchinson and that even improved towards the end of the season like they found ways to be disruptive in the passing game with sacks with interceptions with tipped balls all that sort of stuff worked and helped them get to the, you know, NFC championship game and on the verge of the Super Bowl. And so I, I think a lot of people look at Aaron Glenn and they they look at that NFLPA survey and they say, wow, he's a great leader. He's he's loved by his players. That's why he's getting it. He, he's not maybe he's not even a good defensive coordinator. He's, he would just make a good head coach. I think that is entirely dismissing his value as a schematic guy, as a guy who knows ball as a guy also who can teach ball very well. Um, so I, 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 I've been saying it for a while. I think he's a very, very legit head coach candidate. The problem to me is that people don't like defense and people and, and too many owners are, are obsessed with, you know, the, the offensive play caller guy that they, they don't care about leadership. They don't care as much about defense. And, and so this is why I think it's taking him as long as it is. He might still get one of these jobs. I mean, he hasn't interviewed for the Seattle one. He has obviously interviewed now twice for the commander's job, but um, I, I, th- I think he's very much a worthy candidate and I'd also be extremely happy if he returns. Yeah. Isn't it funny how some of the way that, that you just described Aaron Glenn is the way that people describe Dan Campbell. Yeah. Right. It's like, right. oh man, like, yeah, sure. He might have the leadership qualities, but has he ever put together a staff like what uh, tight end? Well, I mean, what does he know about, you know, an offense or calling plays? Has he ever done any of that stuff? And it's like, oh, OK, well, he carried the bridge to Ben Johnson and then yeah. trusted him. Right. Remember the, the the cat and mouse game that they played for like an entire like training camp? <laughs> where it's like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> ben gonna Johnson going to call plays. We'll see. We'll see during the preseason. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I. I I, I'm right there with you in in, in your feelings and, and um, you know, your assessment of Aaron Glenn, because I think that, again, like back to my point, I think that there's just so many aspects of him that are understated that some people would interpret that as a as a plus for the Lions if Aaron Glenn were to move on. I not saying the Lions would have to scramble to find a replacement. I, I think that there's some guys that are definitely deserving of a chance in house, you know, Shep, you know, probably being number one. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, losing Aaron Glenn would, would suck. Like it, it would, it would, it would deflate for sure. Um, and there's still, there's still a possibility, like you said. So I, I, I hope that 
I hope the Lions could keep him because then it truly feels like the band is all getting back together, right? Right. And then you just add some pieces to it, and who knows? I mean, and yeah. and listen, it 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 can't be overlooked how how his popularity in the locker room matters, right? Um, you you got you got an entire room of guys who respect him, guys like Alex Anzalone, guys like Jack Campbell. I mean, like literally everyone in that room respects the hell out of that man. And when you have someone like that leading you, you are going to perform better. You're going to listen to what they say. You're going to believe in their scheme. You're going to believe in their strategies and decisions that they make. That sort of stuff is super important to keeping. When when Dan Campbell says it's not only about talent, it's it's not always it's not only about adding the right guys. It's about adding the chemistry. It's about having the right people who get along together. And anytime you disrupt that, there is a chance that it does not look as good on the other side. And that, yeah. that is so essential to, to what Dan Campbell believes in and what this team's, you know, backbone is. It's, it's about having the right chemistry. And, and Aaron Glenn is a huge part of that. Yeah. And, and like you said, I, I think to cap it all off, like this year, right, the improvement that the Lions have seen in their run defense over the past year and a half is not a fluke. It's not, it's not imaginary. It's not something that escapes your grasp right when you think you have a hold of it. This is a team that in the NFC NFC championship game that we're going to talk about here on the other side, as far as stopping the run in the first half, that's all like stopping the run. Yeah. There's a lot of technique and there's uh there's, there's a lot of skill to it, but it's a mentality and it's an attitude thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a physicality thing. And that's something that I think you see a lot of teams that aren't as good as the lions, obviously at defending the run. And you can see players that are making business decisions. <laughs> I I did I did I didn't see I don't see Lions players making making business decisions for the most part uh, when it comes to stopping the run. But like that that again that's a thing that it it takes a coach yeah to get a team to do that, and, and I think that's a reflection of Aaron Glenn. Yeah, Aaron Glenn very popular in the locker room. You know what else is popular in the locker room? Beef jerky. That's right. Righteous felon beef jerky. In fact, it's the beef jerky that feels your Detroit Lions. We're not just saying that as a tagline. That is literally true. They have righteous felon in house in Allen Park, and they're going to be stocking it up for the next few months because they're going to need it to get their way back to the NFC championship game next year. But guess what? We're also big fans of righteous felon because righteous felon beef jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facility. They're uh, available to High schools who suddenly have the lights go out in it. And each each bag has two ounces of protein. I'm sorry. Each two ounce bag has 16 to 20 grams of protein in it. And each meat stick has eight grams. Trust me. It's good enough for your Detroit Lions. It's good enough for you. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced, all natural black Angus beef. And they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique Flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky often. Oh, you have peppered steak? Wow, real cool. <laughs> Super original. We yeah. have belief. We have belief. <laughs> we have, what is it? We have like crab spices on it in the Marilyn Monroe. That's not what it's called. What is it? The Yeah, the Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Yeah, the, the old, old Bay seasoning. Yeah, Old Bay seasoning. That's right. Dude, Probably the, can't the... officially call it Old Bay seasoning, but. <laughs> yeah no yeah right yeah that that's that that red spice that goes on seafood i think yeah that's, that's what right call it. uh basil on turkey jerky who doesn't love that 
You, you'd think that wouldn't work, but I promise you, it absolutely does. Truffle flavoring. Who does that? Righteous, Righteous felon. Does. That's right. And you know what? We're going to give you guys a, a little bit of an offer to kick in the new year. And you know what? If, if you're ever stuck on a flight or stuck in an airport for seven hours and don't want to spend, I don't know, 20 bucks on a pizza while boys, two men's end of the road plays and you want to cry. Seems hyper specific. You can get 15% off of what I deem to be very, very affordable beef jerky anyways by going to RighteousFelon.com and using the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get 15% off of your order. They got bundles for very, very reasonable prices, and they become extremely reasonable with the code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Go eat yourself some meat, boys and girls, and whoever you are. Go get some meat. We'll be right back on the POD cast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back here on the POD cast. Ryan, it's time to do it. Time to rip the bandaid off. Time to revisit Sunday. Lions lose to the 49ers, 34-31 blow. A 17-point halftime lead. And I, I guess let's just, you know what? Because it, it became the narrative after the game, let's just get it out of the way. Let's talk about the fourth down decisions because it certainly seemed like a pivotal point in the game when the Lions didn't convert either of those. Um, but both decisions were were backed up by a couple of analytical models. Um, but I'll just, I'll throw it to you first. What, what are your overall thoughts on, on those fourth down decisions? Do you have a different feeling about each of them? Did, did you feel one way in the moment and maybe one way now, 48 hours removed? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think, I think I saw a lot of Lions fans kind of swing that way um, four or eight hours after yeah. in the in the direction from, um, you know, even thinking that Dan Campbell was safe in his decisions on fourth down to then swinging to the point where it's like, I don't know. I mean, like the field goals would have, you know, tied a game or it would have, you know, maybe pushed things in a different direction. There was one coaching mistake that I thought Dan Campbell made. 
And it was when the game was seemingly almost already out of hand. Um, we could talk about that in a second. But the you fourth down, that one, by the way, too. Yeah, right. I mean, the, pretty obvious. But the the fourth down calls, it boils down to not execution. It, it, it doesn't boil down to making the call to go for it on fourth down. It boils down to execution. And there's nobody in there's nobody on this football team that I feel for still 48 hours after that game more than Josh Reynolds, because that's a guy who's been awesome for the Detroit lions all year long. Yeah. That guy has come up big in moments where the lions didn't have a clear number two wide receiver, Jeremy. I mean, how, how long all, all off season we talked about the JMO suspension and, and how things were going to impact, you know, the lions receiving core and yeah, they had Amon Ross St. Brown and, but you know, Laporte is a rookie. Who else can they lean on in the receiving game? It was Josh Reynolds. Yep. Like they trusted Josh Reynolds all season long. It didn't change in the NFC championship game. What I have loved, maybe that, that route to be for Amon Ross St. Brown, a guy with, more sure hands maybe but this team came to this game with the guys that they had trusted all year long and even some other ones like a tight end from harvard named anthony fersker who caught a pass nearly scored a touchdown like this team trusted the guys that got them there and they trusted him in big spots and I feel for him, right? Like I, I've seen, I've seen very few people pile on Josh Reynolds and, you know, say all the nasty things you could say about a player after they have one of the most, one of the most like heartbreaking experiences you can have as a professional athlete, where yeah. you feel like that will be know, his worst game ever. Like that, he's that one will live with him forever, and it it probably won't ever happen again. It, but those two drops, Jeremy, the rest of the season is forgotten, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing that could happen to Josh Reynolds. I don't that that's not Josh Reynolds legacy to me. Like shouldn't be. terribly unfortunate that it happened when it did. Did it have a big impact on the game? Yes. But I think Jeremy, it comes back to the execution standpoint. Like the play call was there. The read was made on that first fourth down. I understood why they did it. Are you in agreement on the first fourth down? Go for it. Yeah, I am. Um, I will say in the moment I was up in the air. And and that's I think that needs to be pushed as the, the bigger point here in general is this is a toss up. This is I mean, when you're talking about how much this changed the game or, or you know, how much even if you're looking at like win percentage added and things like this, the decision to go for it versus kick a field goal is a is a very close split. We're talking about like two percent win percentage flip here. It, these are very tough decisions and ones that you can make merits for on both sides of the ball on, on both decisions, I should say. And so, yeah, there is something to, Hey, you kicked the field goal to start the second half. We just, we matched you. We rebuttaled you. We, we made it a three score game again. I get that. And, and took another four minutes of clock off the right. Cause at that point, it doesn't feel like the lions are fighting the clock yet. Right. It's too right. early to think that yes. way. But you did have a successful drive. You yeah. moved down the field, you advanced time. And like you said, you matched their field goal. You're still up by three possessions. Yes, I get that entirely. But I also get that at this point in the game, they have not stopped you on offense. They have not yeah. done anything to stop you. You have scored on, I believe, four or five possessions. Yep. You are driving right now 
you've picked up where you left off. They are not stopping you. And you, for the entire season, people have thrown out those stats now, right? Like this team was like 80% on fourth and two or shorter. And, and do you think you're trotting out a, a, a kicker that you have 80% confidence he's going to make a 47 yarder? I can tell you my confidence in trotting him out there was not 80% or higher. And so the now 48 hours later, I totally get it. I, I, I think it was right in that moment. You move to the second one. I think, I think the conversation changes a little bit. You, you no longer feel as confident in your offense, right? The 49ers have begun to slow you down. Yes, a field goal ties it, but you're, you're also not stopping them on defense. And you're probably not walking out of that game at a 27-27 tie or whatever it was, 24-24 tie, right? You tie that game up there. You're, you're, you're not going to overtime with eight minutes left, 24-24. Right. You're not playing for the last possession. No. Right. Right. And so, again, to me, like, there's merit on both sides. And so anyone else saying, like, Dan Campbell's an idiot who needs to be fired, you got to calm down. Anyone who's like, you guys don't know ball if, if you think – they should have kicked those. Like, no, there are definitely arguments to be made on both sides. 48 hours after I'm at peace with all of the decisions made. This, this and, and there, there's so many other factors. Like you have to remind yourself that Dan Campbell got this team to where they were because so many times he had made this decision and it panned out. I, I wrote an article for God's sakes on how much of an advantage the lions have had compared to the other coaches still in the playoffs. Just because they have an aggressive head coach, you live and die by this and you can't overreact to the deaths because they look bad because the you forget of all the positive things that happen when you go for it. Because guess what? They, you score, all you remember is that they scored a touchdown at the end of the drive. You barely remember 10 plays ago when they went for it on fourth and one. Now, I do. I will say, particularly the first play highlights an issue that I've had with this offense all season. And we've talked about it a couple times. And that is the fact that this team gets too conservative on third down, knowing that they're going to go for it on fourth down. Running. You're, t- you're talking about the second, the, the second fourth down, right? Is it, I, I guess whichever one was Amon Ra running up, running between the tackles. On third yes, down. It, it was the second one. But yes. how did that, how did that series, once they got a first down, that next se- that next um, set of downs. Yeah a pass on first down on first right. and 10, which is something that we've been screaming for this team to True. do because yeah. it's like, don't be so predictable and running on first down. Yeah. But whatever one they, it was third and four and they ran Amon Ra up the middle. Just like I, you, you're pretty sure he's not going to get it. First of all, you have Amon Ra on the backfield. Everyone sees that and everyone is aware of that. And then you're running him, not David Montgomery, not someone who can like be a bowling ball. You're running him between the tackles. You are playing four fourth down, and they did that far too much all season. And that's what bothers me. You are you are putting such a pivotal play in play instead of just saying, hey, why don't we convert on third down? Instead of saying, we got a small chance of converting on third down here, but really we're, we just want to get ourselves into a manageable fourth down, just go get the first down. Don't yeah, don't play that, around. Yeah, that, that was the first fourth down. Um, okay. The, the first fourth down that they that they went for it on uh, in the second half. Um, but yeah, I. I don't know. I, I didn't think that the third quarter could continue to hurt us. <laughs> it's the first time I've used that kind of pronoun, though, but that's what this game felt like. Yeah. But. Um, 
I just need answers. Like that's the one thing I need answers for is, and, but I got to say, people have asked questions about it. People ask questions about it throughout this year. There were questions that Ben Johnson answered and there were questions that Dan Campbell answered like as recently as the bears game that they lost um, in Chicago, right? There, there was talk about what is going on in the third quarter where this team just cannot Jeremy. It's not even just holding serve. They're getting boat raced in the third quarter against teams that are good. And I need to have the answer to that question. There, There has to be some reason for why it is this way, because If this is just a coincidence, this is an astronomical coincidence that this team just comes out in the third quarter like it does. No, and I think I saw someone put out there, and and my apologies for not crediting them. I think they said they had the EPA of every single team's and every single individual quarters, and the Lions' third quarter had the third worst EPA of any team in any quarter this season. Like, they were just god-awful. And... I, I, I'll i say this and, and maybe I'll feel differently when I finally rewatch the game, but I almost feel like the Lions weren't playing that bad in the third quarter. It was just individual plays that killed them. Because honestly, like after those first two possessions, I was still feeling very good about this game. You hold the 49ers to a field goal in that opening drive, and then you drive all the way down into field goal position yourself. Sure, the fourth down conversion doesn't happen, but... You're still moving the ball consistently. You're still being able to stop the 49ers and get off the field on occasion. You're okay. You're in an okay spot there. And then it's just like, I don't know. Like these crazy plays just happen play after play after like, it's the most SLO moment of, of the entire Dan Campbell era. And it happens in a span of like four minutes. You get the 51 yard ridiculous catch off of, um, Kendall Villador's face that, that goes into Brandon and Ayuk's hands. You, you get the Jameer Gibb fumble three plays after that. And then it's it, like, it's a tight game. Like four plays after that, it's a tight game. It just all spirals out control in that small amount of time. And then you, you kind of get your reins back a little bit in the fourth quarter. Again, you hold them to a field goal. Your offense starts to move again. And then again, you miss a fourth down. It's just like to me, they were they were so close on all of these things to do everything they wanted to in the second half. It's just one play here, one play there, bad luck here, bad luck there. And that to me is what's so damn frustrating about this team is about this game is that like I don't even feel like their play fell off a cliff in the second half. It's just individual plays got them. And and one of the one, any one of those plays goes the other way. Like, even if it bounces off Vildor's face mask and falls incomplete, they might still win that game. Josh Reynolds holds on to a a fourth or a third down. Either one of those, they probably win that game. And and that's that's why this is the whole thing is so damn heartbreaking. And and I want to be to the place where everyone else is at, which is like the future is bright. We're going to be okay. But we were so damn close, Ryan. We were so damn close. And and even if everything goes right in 2024. What's the likelihood that they are going to hold a 17 point lead in the NFC championship game next year? A 17 point lead on the road. Um, I mean, yeah, even if it's at home, like you don't get those kind of opportunities often, man. And to let it slip away on a, on a bunch of fluke plays and a bunch of uncharacteristic, like, like I know they've been uncharacteristic, they've been bad in third quarters, 
But something about this felt uncharacteristic. And and part of it is maybe just they weren't able to turn around in the fourth quarter like they have so many times this year. But to me, it's just like Jameer Gibbs doesn't fumble. Josh Reynolds doesn't drop passes. Balls don't deflect off of face masks like that. Like it just it it felt like a series of an unfortunate event. And it's just it's heartbreaking. It's it, it's why I can't quite get over it, even with the Ben Johnson news. It's just and, and, and like, listen, this is this is the deal we signed up for. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I've even said it on this podcast in the past. I know I've tweeted it and I've joked about it. We've been blessed as Lions fans to not be in big games and not known this kind of heartbreak. But if you want to if you want to have a really, really good team, this is this is what's going to happen because only one team walks away happy every year. And and so like this is this is the new kind of ulcers that we we got to start getting accustomed to. And, and I'm not accustomed to it yet. but. We're going to have some heartbreak, man, some some serious heartbreak that we're not fully accustomed to. And so I'm just going to sit with this one for a while because. I don't know, it's it's uncharted territory in, in, in a bad way, but I, you know, you'll 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 obviously take the trade off of uncharted good territory with one just absolute dagger to your heart in, in January. Yeah, I haven't quite understood the hypotheticals of. Man, you know, if the Lions would have gotten blown out and it was 42 to 10 to harken back to a, an earlier time in Lions history, this one wouldn't hurt so bad. It would hurt, but it'd be different, right? right. Like, because we'd get all like the, oh, they were frauds and the, like they, they had this cupcake playoff schedule where they played a Rams team that was 10 and 7 and the Lions are 9 and 8. And blah, blah, blah. Lions clearly not frauds. Clearly not frauds. Yeah. The first that first half of football. Um I, I think the loss in the immediate was almost softened by my thoughts of, well, remember the first half? Like, remember how good the first half felt? Like, Jeremy, I don't know in my adult life if I've experienced football nirvana like those first 30 <laughs> minutes. I mean, that really don't like it, it, it was as close to you couldn't have scripted or predicted a better first half within the w- realm of reason for the Detroit Lions in the first half. Point blank. Full stop. It was it was the first confirmation ever to me that this team was capable of winning the Super Bowl and 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 maybe even likely at that point. Right. That was. That was a moment in which, for the first time ever, I felt confident that this team is absolutely capable of winning the Super Bowl right here and right now. They were if, if they played on that level, it might not have even been close. Like they would have wiped the floor with the with San Francisco the rest of the way if they continued to play that way. And they've already beaten Kansas City, and they were they were they were not playing at that level in KC in Week One. No, no, and, and, and I think the, to take it uh, again to take it a step further the lions were playing so well that the notion of the lions don't belong in that upper crust of the NFL elite with the chiefs and the bills and the teams that we had determined after the Ravens loss that, you know what? Okay. Maybe the lions just aren't like, right. we need to hold our horses a little bit. Maybe no, at the end of that first half, that was out the window. The Detroit lions might have been the best team in the NFL. 
And I think the reason why this one is so difficult for a, a franchise full of people who have rooted for a team that has lost more football than God knows what to do with is that that first half happened. This isn't a loss like one of the 0 and 16 yeah. season. You know what I mean? This isn't a loss under the Patricia era. This isn't, you know, that is what is so different about this loss, right? Is that the, there's just a different set of expectations with this team that aren't going away though. You you mentioned it in the break, Jim, like these expectations, they're not going to change. Like this team has greater expectations now heading into next season. And, and Dan Campbell had talked about that, right? Like he talked about like, yeah. like it's, it's hard to climb the mountain and who knows if they'll ever be this close again. I don't buy him. I understand what he's saying. I, I understand what he's saying. He's not wrong, but he is when it comes to this lions team. <laughs> Well, we, yeah. we, we've, we've spent so long talking about how they are doing this the right way and how they're building it to be like the Ravens, a team who won a Super Bowl more than 10 years ago. Right. And they were just on the precipice of doing it again. I understand success is very hard to replicate in this league from year to year to year. Totally get it. We see it all the time. We don't see a bunch of Dan Campbell's around. And I mean, we we entered the playoffs, right, with with this message in mind. We were like, OK, no matter what happens, these playoffs, we're going to feel pretty damn good about the future because we got a good head coach, because we got a great general manager, because this is the fifth youngest team in, in the NFL. And they just won the NFC champion, the NFC North by four games. Right. None of that changes. None of that changes. Yeah, none. But they were they were they were so close to the sun, Ryan. They were so close. And and the NFL gods can be cruel and there is no success guaranteed for tomorrow. But we're going to get into all of that and more in the next segment, because guess who has arrived? The adequate host is here and we are going to hear from him and talk about the Lions future and a whole bunch more when we come back here on the BOD cast. We'll be right back. Do I need to read about meat? No, no. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here to close things out on the POD cast post NFC championship edition. And guess who's joined us? You probably couldn't I... guess because I said who would be at the end of the last segment, but you, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. Belief. Uh, hey, how's it going, Chris? Hi, I'm uh, recovering. I'm yeah. still recovering a bit. Um, I 
I feel like I blew something out myself. I, I did therapy for everyone on Sunday and now I needed some therapy for myself. Unfortunately, go. it's also come with my car being on the fritz too. So, but hey, we're here to talk lions, not car talk. True. We we could go a full second, you and I both on car talk, but we're not going to. Instead, we're going to look into the future. The future. The future Conan? Yes, that's right. We're going all the way <laughs> to the year 2024. Um, I want to start with just... I want to get from both of you what you think is the most, like the biggest decision that the Lions face this offseason. Um, I, I, you know, like maybe the most pivotal moments before we get to the 2024 season. I think obviously one of those dominoes has already fallen with Ben Johnson returning. You don't have to decide on a new offensive coordinator, thankfully. But what are some other, you know, huge decisions facing this team that's going to impact whether they're going to be able to get back to where they were this year. Well, we still need to figure out what's going to happen with uh, Aaron Glenn. True. I know some Lions fans would like to see him leave, but I can, as we have charted throughout here, like his defense was a big reason for how they want, how they were able to hold on late in so many games uh, near the end of the season and in these playoffs. Now there's so many questions on the defense to begin with, you have to worry. You have to want like Cam Sutton isn't going anywhere, but you have to wonder what kind of help they put around him uh, at this point. I, I I need to think on it a little bit more as far as uh, other things that aren't like draft or free agent related. I Ryan, do you think it's the biggest thing is the Jared Goff extension? Do you see it getting done this offseason? I, I, I think it's almost 50 50, but it, it does feel like the Lions have hit a point where they're comfortable with Jared Goff. It's just going to be the comfort's going to be more a question about the number, right? I think the number matters a lot. Um, and, you know, on Monday when locker room cleanout was happening, Goff was asked about how important it would be for him to get a market level deal deal this offseason and uh Gus said I don't know it's just how the league goes if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't but I think I've loved every second of my time here and would love more again I'll echo what I just said I love Dan Campbell I love the coaches I love the players here my teammates yeah it would be great but it's not up to me which is a weird way to end that thought because a lot of that feels like canned I love everybody here it's all great coaching staff's awesome I love I love Dan Campbell. I love Ben Johnson, who, you know, 24 hours later, back in the fold, right? Yep. It would be great, but it's not up to me. Very much feels like it's in the Lions court. And this is a guy who just this past offseason saw the team draft a quarterback in the third round. And I'm not saying don't connect dots. Don't assume that the Lions are entertaining that idea because for as somebody who is as big of a Jared Goff skeptic as you can find, the guy, the guy was not the reason the Detroit Lions lost the NFC Championship game or couldn't make it to the Super Bowl. I, I would go as far as to say, like, even if Ben Johnson hadn't been back, I would still be comfortable with this, with thinking about Ben Johnson as the Lion. I mean, excuse me, Jared Goff as the Lions quarterback. Like we've seen him make the throws he needs to make. We've seen him step up in the big moments in these games, and I don't think we've given him enough credit in that regard. And I was wrong. I, I, I've been wrong. I've been critical about him for a very long time. And even even late in the in 
the 49ers game, even a loss, he was still delivering darts. Like, I don't want to see him on the on the move, to be sure. But you have all the pieces here in Detroit to make Jared Goff successful for you. Like, I don't I don't see why that would particularly change. It is just a matter of the money at this point, because I think everyone's worry is how are you going to pay Jared Goff plus Amon Ross St. Brown plus offensive linemen plus plus plus. And I know, Jeremy, I, I know there is a, a a coming refrain from some people that the salary cap isn't real, but um there are some teams to which the salary cap is very much so real. And I just don't think we can just outwardly ignore that and just say, yeah, just give him, give him 50 million. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, they're going to pay Jared Goff. Like I, I I'm almost certain a deal is going to get done and, and whatever Jared Goff meant by that, whether it's in the lion's court or maybe he's talking about his agent and like, I'm pretty sure he's talking about his agent if I was going to guess, but yeah. yeah, maybe either way, either way. I th- you, you can tell by the way Jared Goff looks at Dan Campbell and you can tell by the way Dan Campbell looks at Jared Goff that those two don't want any sort of divorce. They're going to get something done probably this offseason. And I would guess it's probably around 50 million a year. And and I, I see someone in the chat. I'm not trying to single them out, but it, because I think it's a, a popular thought, which is the lot only the lines would pay Jared Goff that much. He's, no other team would pay that much for Jared Goff. And I would answer you're probably right, but it doesn't matter. Oh, because well, also you're wrong because the Rams did. Well, <laughs> they didn't pay him 50 million, but I can no, easily see right. a team. Like, they paid him a lot. They I ponied can, up. They right. gave him a big extension. Now, did they come to an impasse and think that they couldn't get over the hump because Jared Goff inhibited them? Right. Maybe for that team. He did. Yeah. This is an awakening for me. I'm telling you, I'm not at a point where I totally want to just throw my hands up on the Jared Goff Express. But Jared Goff did not feel like he inhibited this football team from getting over the hump. Right. No. Whereas in that Super Bowl, you could make an argument that it looked like he did. Right. There, you know, he didn't have the running game. He needed other things. Right. Yes. And Goff, Goff, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Goff was perfect in the NFC Championship game. He missed a couple throws. His throw to Josh Reynolds could have been better. Um, But there, there's been enough good Jared Goff. And my overall point was here, like, yeah, he might not be as valuable to other teams, but he is that valuable to what they do here. He runs exactly what they want here. He's part of the offensive game plan that has made this so, this so successful in Detroit. That's the part that I think gets lost on people. It's like, you have to remember, this has been a collaborative experience building this offense. It's not just Ben Johnson. It's not just Dan Campbell. It's not just the offensive line. Jared Goff is in there giving his input. And that's what Ben Johnson appreciates. That's what Jared Goff appreciates, that his voice is being heard in this offense. And so he deserves credit for the entire thing, not just how he's throwing the football. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think a, I think a deal is going to come. And I honestly, I don't think there's going to be a lot of drama with it. I think I think both sides are going to be happy with what they end up getting that, that, you know, I can I can tell you right now, the national narrative is going to make fun of the Lions for it, no matter what happens. But eat it because that's it's that's what the Lions are going to do. And, and that's been the successful formula so far. It's just it's hard for Jared Goff to shed the label he's been given like that Sean Payton divorce was so, so nasty that I just don't think anything will claw back his image from that. But that's fine. All he's got to do is just go out there and keep throwing the football very well. And unfortunately, we're also coming off a year where there's been quite a few high profile 
high money quarterback contracts. So I think what will probably happen, Ryan, it's not going to be like, oh, they signed Jared Goff. He's a bum. It's going to be here's another team that's really risking their future, giving 50 million to it, you know, a tier two quarterback. Can can they make sure it doesn't collapse? But again, I think the Lions aren't they have good cap space right now. They're not in a terrible place. They're not in a place like the Saints were. Um they they can they can handle a contract like that. And I still think, you know, they'll be able to handle the money that comes down with the offensive line. I think Jeremy, um, you know, we haven't gotten to Jonah Jackson yet. And I think he's the next big free agent discussion. Um and where they go with that, but you know. Part of you being a general manager and Brad Holmes is you need to be replacing guys constantly because it's yeah. the NFL. Yeah. And and I, th- I think that leads me to where I want to take the conversation next, which is talking about the kind of that Dan Campbell quote that we brought up in the last segment, which is th- this could be the last time the lines get here, right? Like that that's what makes it so devastating is no matter how good the future looks, no matter how much you you believe in in Dan Campbell and, and, and Brad Holmes and Sheila, there's no guarantee they get to where they are. So I want to kind of talk about some of, well, first of all, whether you think that's true, like are the Lions doomed to not get there? Or at least, you know, is it is it really going to be twice as hard next year as, as he literally put? If so, what are some of the barriers there that, that you think is going to make this a little bit more difficult for the Lions next year? And And how confident are you? that they're going to put themselves in a position to be a half away from a Super Bowl or maybe in the Super Bowl. Can I start? I can start yeah. if you want. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I was I was going to let Ryan take be- it, but uh, go ahead. Well, part of it is is everything you, you were just saying, right? The Brad Holmes job now becomes completely different than it was in the past, right? He he he's going to have to manage some big contracts that he is going to provide that is going to change how he does the how he balances the budget, right? You're going to have to deal with P- Panay Sewell being the most expensive offensive lineman in football. You're going to have to deal with Amon Ra being at least a top 10 in terms of paying. You're going to have to deal with probably paying out for some another some other offensive lineman, whether it's Jonah Jackson or someone else. And you aren't going to have the draft capital that you had the first three years. We know he can yeah. draft well on day two and day three, but you look at some of the most impactful players on their team, Aiden Hutchinson, Panay Sewell, you aren't going to be able to get those caliber players in the draft. You just aren't not on a consistent basis anymore. And so that is, that is going to change and, 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 and hike up the degree of difficulty for, for, um, for, for everyone in the front office. And listen, they won't feel those effects until two, three years down the road, right? Because they still have their young core. All, a lot of these young players are still going to be, rookie salaries they're they're going to be fine next year and maybe even the year after that but but after that you're start you're, i mean you're going to have to deal with not being able to get Aiden Hutchinson's every draft you're you're going to have to deal with not getting the best offensive lineman in football every draft and that's that's going to make it hard it is going to make it hard here's some uh, i guess I'm taking the opportunity to be Eric right now <laughs> another name that people maybe maybe flew under the radar for some people. Mike Disner doesn't go to Carolina. True. Like Mike Disner is one of the most valuable resources that the Detroit lions have in their front office as, as the lions approach, uh, uh, you know, a point in which they do have to make all those extensions extensions and start paying out big money. It's important and valuable to have him on staff. I do think though that having four picks in the top 100 
Like that was something that helped yeah. me pull. It, it helped pull me out of this 49ers funk a little bit mm-hmm. because again, Brad Holmes has a track record of being aggressive too in the draft. And I think that four picks in the top 100 allows you to be aggressive and it allows you to maybe move up and get the guy you feel like is another building block. If you want to get up in that area of, you know, if you want to make a, a move to get into a range where you can take a guy like a Penesul or you can take a guy, maybe not Aiden Hutchins, not moving up in the top three. Okay. But I'm talking about if you want to get spicy and you, and you have a prospect that you love that you think flips the defense on its head. Okay. Like you can do that. That's what Brad Holmes can do now. Now it, it's a much more difficult tightrope to walk. We've, we, we saw what happened to the Rams when they started saying F them picks. The lights went out. They had trouble paying the bills. Okay. But eventually I, they got back to the NFC playoffs. Okay. Yeah. So th- I, I'm just saying pause for concern. I think that there's, there's also a reason for optimism for, for some of the things that Jeremy said. I don't know what he said, but there are reasons for optimism. And I also think at this point you've, you've earned uh, Brad Holmes has earned the trust on Look, everyone's going to mock a cornerback to the to the Detroit Lions at 20. Uh, this is 28 or 29, 29. Excuse me. Uh, everyone's going to mock a cornerback. And listen, I'm from Toledo. I hope it's Quinion Mitchells. I like that kid. He had a fantastic first day here with the uh, senior bowl. But I think Brad Holmes has shown you that you just have to trust him a little bit when he goes completely off script on who he decides to draft because he's drafting for talent. And if you're trying to build an organization where you are going to have to sometimes replace parts, regardless of where that is and not, and sometimes have to cut a guy instead of, you know, paying him at the end of the day, then you have to accept that sometimes you're just going to like, you know, what's your position of need? I need them all. I need them all. Jeremy. He just, he wants good players. That's, and and yeah. I, it's hard to argue against that. Maybe that strategy changes a little bit, but I'm with you. Like I, everyone who's just penciling in corner is, is pick 29. Like you got to realize if there's a better player at a different position, Brad Holmes is going to take that guy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's his MO. I think people have realized that by now. Um, I know we have the theory that it's, De- it was Devin Witherspoon was taken off the board and that sent them spiraling in other directions, but this is the reality and it's much more of a reality when you're picking at 29 too, where it's like, okay, well now there's going to be a lot of guys who you're in love with who are going to be off the board. And again, to Ryan's point, assuming they are still there at 29 when they do pick. Yeah. Well, I I have two things. One, I want to say that I love the fact that Brad Holmes has proven that he is flexible as a general manager in terms of his approach to the draft. Uh, I have an anecdotal story that I'll share after the podcast on stream. So make sure you're watching us on Twitch or also on YouTube. That's a plug. Okay. But the other thing that I want to mention is that with the lions and where they're at heading into this off season, we talked a lot about whether or not the lions were in a position where, you know, late into training or not late into training camp, but late into the summer into training camp, there were people who were wondering, would the lions trade a draft pick to get a veteran? Right. Would they make a move to get like somebody like an Aaron Donald if if the Rams season went sideways or, hey, remember when the Rams went and got Jalen Ramsey when they really needed help at corner? Do you feel like the Lions are in a position 
having those four picks in the top 100, they nearly climbed the damn mountain. Is this a position where you feel like Brad Holmes can can do that? It's a great question. It it because his job is fundamentally changing. I I will say strategy has to change a little bit, and I think they can get a little bit more aggressive. And because he came from the Rams, yeah, maybe he's got a little bit of less need in him. It, it's certainly possible, but it's one of those things we're going to kind of have to just wait and see whether that's that's in Brad Holmes, and we're we're going to hear from Brad Holmes later in this week, and and maybe we'll get an answer to or at least a a hinting as to where he goes, because he is a guy that tends to say what he means, just like Dan Campbell. So it's a a really interesting question. Um, I want to throw another thing at you, and this is is turning into a dry my wet blanket segment, because I think another hurdle that the Lions are facing in 2024 is the situation around them is going to get harder. Mm -hmm. The, The NFC North is looking looked much better in the second half of the season than it did in the first half of the season. The Lions are going to have to face a first-place schedule for the first time in 31 years. Like, the, the, when when Dan Campbell says the road is going to be two times tough, I think these are the kind of things he's talking about, is that the Packers are going to be a force, is that the Bears are going to have a ton of offseason resources and also were, was playing pretty damn good. That defense was legit in the last half of the season. So do you, do you buy that? Do you buy like that? That's one of the things that could cause 2024 to not be as good as 2023. Maybe, but I, 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 let me put it this way. If I am, if you were asking me to measure the first place schedule versus my concern for the first place schedule versus my concern for the NFC North, it is squarely the NFC North above that. Uh, first place schedule looks tough on paper. We see it every year, Jeremy. Wor- worst goes to first, first, sure. worst, yeah. uh, first goes to worst. Like there's enough volatility. Like I haven't looked at the schedule deeply, so I can't tell you and make assumptions on like who's going to drop completely off the radar or even if they will. And ultimately, we're just spitballing at the end of the day for that. Looking at the NFC North itself, I still don't. And I know it it feels like the logical reason uh, reason that the Bears would take a quarterback, but they would still need some time to develop that guy. And I don't know if it's the right pick and I don't they might even keep Justin Fields. I don't know what the Bears will do. Um, I have no fear of the Vikings and Vikings fans can suck my. um, My uh, my my dice. Um, I'm about to play Dungeons and Dragons. And the Packers, I'm I'm sure they're feeling good right now, but I think we can kind of say the Packers maybe overachieved a little bit this year in regards to where their defense was going. But that said, it's going to be a tougher division. You are no longer being hunted. You I mean, you are no longer the hunter. You're being hunted. Everyone saw what you did last year and you saw even this year what happens when they bring their A game to you every game. It'll be tough. But I think ultimately on paper, I still like the Lions to try to take the division again. And if not, like if if the NFC North is competitive to the point where the Lions have lost the division, they will still be in a contention for a wild card on it. Like it's it, yeah. it I it's going to be a harder road and maybe they miss the playoffs the next year of it. But we're looking long term on this and ultimate and. You know, this this coaching staff, this front office is committed to a long term, but I also think they'll be back here. I I know Dan Campbell has said what he said, 
But um, joining you guys, I disagree on that. Like it, it's it's feasible. It's possible. It can be done. Like they showed you how it can be done and how well they played in all these games. All you need to do is keep adapting, building on the defense. And man, watch out. Watch out. Ryan, any thoughts on the tougher road ahead? I, I'm looking at the NFC right now and. Who who are the quarterbacks that are definitively better than Jared Goff? Who who are the quarterbacks that are definitively better than Jared Goff? I mean, there's Matthew Stafford. Saw a half of a really good season from Jordan Love. Do you believe in Dak Prescott? Do you believe in Kirk Cousins? Coming is Kirk back Cousins from an Achilles with, injury? Is he even going to be in Minnesota? I'm I'm just saying. Jalen Hurts, do you want to make the arc? I, I don't know. Like, like Jeremy said earlier, thank God the Lions don't play in the AFC because there's a quarterback gauntlet that only apparently Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs can overcome. You got, you, you got to take care of your division. And I think that the NFC North, though, is going to be a buzzsaw next year. I really do. Like, I think that it's going, it, it's not something where heading into last season, I felt like a sweep was on the table. I felt like there was a there was a chance that the Lions could run the table in the NFC North. Now, they did against the NFC South, right? Yep. Yep. Took care of business there. It's too bad that they just geographically couldn't, you know, move from the NFC Central with the Bucks. But the NFC North does seem like it's really challenging. I do think though at the bare minimum, this is a wild card football team. At the bare minimum going into next season, this is a wild card football team. They're they're a playoff team in the NFC. No less than six seed. As, as they are now. Yeah. That just was 30 minutes from making it to the Super Bowl. The team as constructed. And 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 yes, you have questions about Jonah and Graham and the interior of the offensive line. Defense is a huge question mark, right? Like for the second offseason in a row, Brad Holmes is going to have to completely overhaul the secondary when yeah. it comes to cornerback. Kendall Vildor started in an NFC championship game and joined the team week thir- 15 week. Something like that. It was when Ali McNeil went on IR. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, there, there are a lot of moving pieces on the defense, I think. Yeah. But as this team is right now, with Ben Johnson back in tow, and Jeremy and I agreed on this in the first segment, Chris, the offseason already starts at an A because Ben Johnson was retained. <laughs> I think, you know what? I think it's going to be a big deal if they are able to retain Aaron Glenn, too. I know he doesn't have the same kind of offers on the table, yeah. but if Washington decides to take it, I will consider that a blow. I know not a lot of line, law lines. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he definitely is. Like, especially in a league where you don't, not every team has CB1s anymore. Like it's it's very easy for us to sit here and say the Lions need a corner, but that generation of guys like Sherman Sherman uh, Richard Sherman just doesn't exist anymore. Like CB play across the the board is down. There's only a few guys like that. Um, I'd love to say you can get a shutdown corner easy, but the Lions are playing the defense that uh, you play when you don't have that, which is rushing the hell out of the passer. I think they do need to improve on that a little bit because 
It'd be nice I mean, to have more than one person that can do it. it. It would be. It would be. And it's why I'm not taking an edge off the table for the oh, Lions no. in the first round either. Like it's it's there. And I know people are trying to wish cast Max, Max Crosby and I don't see that happening. But <laughs> not um, <clears throat> no. Um, but anyway. the, the last thing I want to do, and this is where I flip from a, a, a wet blanket to a warm one. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that Dan Campbell said about, you know, the difficulty in getting back is that it is going to require a mentality, a hungry mentality. We can't lose the hunger of this team. And and I get maybe a general concern of like, this was all happening in one sweeping moment. Like everyone was believing and, you know, it was the first time and, and this team was young and almost like naively confident. And, and, it, and maybe it's hard to recapture that in that lightning in a bottle, but that is the absolute least of my worries is that this team is going to come into 2024 not hungry under Dan Campbell? <laughs> no. After that game, too? Yeah, right. After yeah, that game, that like is where their fuel to the fire. Up. Absolute fuel to the fire. You heard it from the players. They're they're pissed off. They, they thought this was a Super Bowl or bust year. They are going to take that pain of watching the confetti fall at Santa Clara and, and use that as fuel. And with Dan Campbell leading this team, they're going to get up for every single game. They are going to act like every game is the damn Super Bowl, and they're going to give it their all for 60 minutes, even if it only looks like they're giving it for a half. I like that is the very least of my worries and maybe the source of my biggest confidence that this team is going to continue to soar because we know they got the right people in place. We know they have the right players in the locker room that are not going to sit on their laurels and just assume they're going to get back. They are going to put in the work this offseason. They are going to put in the work during the season. They are going to arrive on game day ready to knock the doors off. And so that to me is is, is probably my biggest source of like, this team isn't going anywhere. They get, they've, they've got all the right motivated players and motivating coaches to a point where they're going to give every team hell every single week. The Lions have Dan Campbell. That's what it comes down to. It really does. And maybe that's the positive note that we'll end this thing on. Chris, you want to take us out? Ryan, do you have something to say? No, No, man. The season was awesome, though. You know, like, and and I think that was the thing. The the one thing I do, I guess I want to say is like, Again, I don't disagree with what Dan Campbell's saying about how tough it is to climb the mountain and how you can't ever expect to go back there. Um, but I still feel like now, even 48 hours removed from the game, like thinking in the future isn't living in the present. And like in the present for those 24 hours, it was one of the weirdest experiences of my life because I didn't know like how bummed out I was. But like I think other people could tell how bummed out I was. <laughs> But like the, the in the immediate aftermath of the loss, it was weird and it was uncomfortable and it sucked. But I'm I'm trying to I, I know it's not the present, but like I, I'm I'm still trying to think of the 2023 season as like what an incredible ride this was. And this was so awesome. Like it, so, I, I don't want to get too worried about having to climb the mountain because it, there's still a whole offseason to go and there's mock drafts and there's, you know, all that stuff that Jeremy just loves and revels in like a pig in shit. Right now though, I still want to just love this season, Chris. I do too. And that's kind of like, I took the furnace immediately going on in the post game and it kind of sent me places. And even the day after, like I've seen people with 
insane takes about the fourth down decisions and everything else. And like, as I said in the post game, and I'm not you can go back and listen to it if if you if if you want, dear listener at home. But like, I don't want to diminish the work of these guys because it was hell. It was hell. It was hard. The Lions got lucky in a few spots. Every team needs a luck and health on their sides to get this far. And with luck and health, they'll be able to do it again. So go Loins. Jeremy at Detroit Online. Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Myself at Chris Perfett on Twitter. We'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.